I was trying to figure out, uh, Spanish or Portuguese? Was that? Spanish. Some of you, how many of you guys uh, could understand the language? Got some of you? Good. I like that. Good, good, good. Um, what we keep trying to do with these uh, bumpers is just to, um, in our Alpha series, just show you really worldwide in every kind of environment and person uh, the power of God. When we look toward God and understand Him more, um, just the powerful change that He brings. And we pray and believe that that will happen here at North Shore as we are in this season of, of Alpha, of asking these what we call kind of first step questions and processing them. So if you're not in an Alpha group, I want to encourage you uh, to get in one. Go to the next step, the table's out there, and, and get signed up. Um, an announcement before I get going. Um, uh, the elders have asked that, um, that you uh, submit re uh, recommendations, nominations for elders. You know, there's a couple seats uh, that they would like to fill. Um, and so um, you members will be getting a letter this afternoon, uh, if it comes out as scheduled, uh, inviting you to pray. Uh, and then submit nominations, people that you see um, have that spiritual quality elder. And there's a, a right up there that help you guide uh, yourself through that and uh, read some scriptures. Uh, but anyway, uh, so watch for that uh, email coming this today. If you don't get the email and you're not a member, guess what? Joining the family coming up, right? Here's a, a pitch. Um, we believe that we are family, uh, and that's what membership is. It's just, hey, I want to say yes, I want to be part of this family, uh, and we need each other. So just another example of how important you are to this spiritual journey here at North Shore. Okay, so joining the family if you're not a member. Um, you think you're a member, don't get a letter, come talk to us, okay? Love you, North Shore. Uh, if you need a Bible, raise your hand, um, and uh, we'll get one to you. And when you get there, turn to John chapter 14. We're going to be all over, but John uh, 14 will give you a little center place to uh, be. Uh, let me pray for us as you get a Bible. But raise your hand. They'll get a, a Bible to you. Let's pray. Father, you're good. We love you. And I just pray that, uh, as I'm going to talk about, that your Holy Spirit uh, would really take over and speak to me and through me, uh, speak to each person here, uh, right in the place they are in their need. Um, and so we trust your work in our lives, and we surrender to that. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I do want to say hello to those of you online. We love you and appreciate you. If there's anything you need, make sure you let us know, okay? All right. Um, so uh, Alpha, this is a, a big week in Alpha, okay? And it really starts today with the message um, and it's going to go through our small groups this week. But also, as Pat announced, uh, there's an Alpha Weekend. <laughs> we call it a weekend because that's what it's called. But it really is from 9 to noon uh, this next Saturday, this upcoming Saturday here at the church. Uh, and, you know, why is it an important weekend? Uh, and I really take um, that uh, uh, Francis Chan's thought. He wrote a book called Forgotten God, Right. And that forgotten God is, um, he's referring to the Holy Spirit, who is God. Acts chapter 5, I mean, all through scriptures, there's uh, proof that the Holy Spirit is God, part of the third person of the Trinity. You know, Acts 5, very, very clear, first five verses. Um, but Francis Chan, his, his thoughts when he thinks about the Holy Spirit, the church, um, uh, he brought him to pen this book called The Forgotten God. I want to read just a little bit 
from it because it really matches my heart and what I have been seeing the last decade or so. From my perspective, the Holy Spirit is tragically neglected and for all practical purposes, forgotten. While no evangelical would deny his existence, I'm willing to bet there are millions of churchgoers across America who cannot confidently say they have experienced his presence or action in their lives over the past year. And many of them do not believe they can. The benchmark of success in church services has become more about attendance than the movement of the Holy Spirit. The quote-unquote entertainment model of church was largely adopted in the 80s and 90s. And while it alleviated some of our boredom for a couple hours a week, it filled our churches with self-focused consumers rather than self-sacrificing servants attuned to the Holy Spirit, to God. He goes on. I, I believe that this missing something is actually a missing someone, namely the Holy Spirit. Without him, people operate in their own strength and only accomplish human-sized results. The world is not moved by love or actions that are human creations. But when believers live in the power of the Spirit, the evidence in their lives is supernatural. The church cannot help but be different, and the world cannot help but notice. And in why... I believe it's so important is I think, you know, the, the church in America, our church, all churches, are a place that we need to let God, his full power, be evidence to the world. Because you know the world is, in a sense, falling apart. It's a mess. I was just talking to someone a few minutes ago, and they are just talking about how tragic it is the world as they look around it. Sandy and I often talk about that. Uh, and what is the answer? Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, you know, a place, a gathering where there's something happened that's only God-sized, and we want to be those people. Um, and so it's so important that we don't forget the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit's promise, uh, look at John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, and uh, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, uh, but as you read along in the ESV, um, you'll see it says the same thing with one little exception. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you, and he is the Holy Spirit. Yours probably says the Spirit of Truth. Same thing, okay? It's another name of the Holy Spirit, okay? He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. He's active. He's doing something. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to leave God, the Holy Spirit, with you. I'm going to leave you as orphans. So the question is, if the Holy Spirit is God and Jesus promised to leave him with us, why have so many of us forgotten him? Why is he not existent? Why don't we get to see and sense the power of God in, in people in the church today? 
You know, and I was just kind of thinking about this, so just going off really my own experiences on this one as I try to answer that. And you have your own answer. You know, the very first thing I see is uh, just experiences. I've talked to so many people who have been hurt uh, in the name of the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, they felt manipulated. They felt drawn to things that they just didn't get and felt really, really wrong. And so they just say, you know what? If that's the Holy Spirit, I'm out. Forget about him. And so they, they give it a place of, of rejection and, and fear. Well, he must not be real if that's it. If that's him, then no way. That, that, I don't want any part of that. I'm going to go kind of back to maybe Jesus or just back to the scripture and just sit there. You know, but, but they're saying Jesus is God, spirit is God. You know, and there's another thing is bad teaching. Uh, most churches, and you have to know my upbringing, okay? I grew up uh, spiritually. I got saved at 24 in a very, very conservative church. And the Holy Spirit was almost a four-letter word. I barely remember it mentioned, right? Uh, and if anything kind of happened, you know, it was like, oh, that's emotionalism. We got to fight it. It was really interesting. So um, it was just a journey for me, and I came to a place, you know, through Francis Chan's book and some other experiences where I said, you know what, I'm, I'm forgetting God himself, a gift that he gave me of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to set in, and I'm going to have eyes wide open. I'm not going to be afraid, but fear really takes us to this place. Bad teaching. Just this morning, uh, Sandy and I were driving into town, and uh, a girl who used to be in our youth groups, you know, she's an adult now, friend is 40 weeks pregnant. And so I found out that today she will deliver that baby who has passed inside of her, has died. And then he goes on to find out that she feels guilty because she was taught that a couple weeks ago she was just kind of voiced some, some concerns about her baby and health, which is every mother does. Uh, and she thinks she spoke something into existence, right, which is a teaching of some churches on the Holy Spirit. And so now that today if she gets ready to deliver this baby, she thinks it's her fault. And the church taught her that. And so bad teaching really takes you to bad places. And so, you know, why is this an important week? Because we want to teach on the Holy Spirit what God has to say about the Holy Spirit. Nothing drummed up, but nothing feared and forgotten, right? So I want to invite all of you into this journey, okay? Um, and guess what? God is so good. If you look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19, okay, there is a great teaching on how you engage. I would call it a checklist. As you walk through and you learn about this powerful God, the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I'll try to quote it if I can. Well, it's right there. Um, it says this, do not quench the Spirit. What that's saying is, allow God to be God. Let God be God. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Okay? Do not despise prophecies. Watch your attitude when it comes to the work of God. Have the right attitude when you look at the things of God. Even things, you know, a lot of times when the Holy Spirit, things are like, whoa, what is that? So no, but don't, don't have a bad attitude. Don't despise uh, the gifts of God, right? Uh, but here's this, but test everything. Test everything. There's your charge, right? Uh, and you, you test it by the word of God, right? Uh, 
When something proclaims, hey, here's God, here's the Spirit, does it match up with the Word of God? It will always match up with the Word of God. It will always match up with the character of God. It will never violate the character of God, the Spirit's work, because He is God. He will not violate Himself. Also, the heart of God. It will never be counter to the heart of God. The God that you know, the Holy Spirit, will always act, and His works will always be within the heart of God, because the Holy Spirit is God. And it says this, so whatever is good, hold fast to it. Grab a hold of that, get it. God wants us to live in his fullness. And that's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But when you discover in that checklist something something that's evil, something that's opposite who God is, guess what? Throw it away. Turn from it. All of it. Don't be a part of it. And be bold enough because there is a lot of things done in the name of God. Amen? And we have a beautiful gift of the Scripture uh, and God and the Holy Spirit to allow us to check it. So as we go through this important week, don't forget this verse and your responsibility. Okay? So let's get into what I'd say just kind of a start of the conversation. It'll be today. Your groups will meet and talk about it this week. And then uh, come Saturday from 9 to noon, we'll, we'll talk more about it and just kind of set with the Holy Spirit as well. And so it's going to be good, positive, and, I, and I, I believe encouraging week for all of us. Okay, so who is the Holy Spirit is our question today. And I hope for some of you is to reintroduce you to the Holy Spirit through biblical symbols. Okay, through biblical symbols. Now, now symbols are... Visible signs of something that's invisible. It's like a picture of something, right? And, and that's how you know, a lot of the Hebrew and even the Greek language uh, uses pictures and images. And, and God does the same thing. He uses images and symbols. And I really think to help us understand, to make it a little easier to understand. And these images that we'll see uh, were very, very clear to those who witnessed it firsthand, Right? So they weren't um, things that they didn't get or understand the meaning of. So we're going to look at uh, symbols. Now, there's many symbols in the scriptures of the Holy Spirit, and you don't want to be here this long, right? The Seahawks play, and they're actually kind of good, right? So we need to go check that out. Um, uh, so I'm just going to grab a few to kind of set the stage, and we'll, again, talk more about uh, the Holy Spirit through the week. But the first symbol I want to look at is... Um, is an encompassing cloud, an encompassing cloud. And, and where we see this in the Old Testament, really clear, and there's many places, uh, but Exodus chapter 40, verse 34. And what the scene is here, and where the symbol is seen, is it's the tabernacle or the tent of meetings, right? Um, and it's where the people of God, when they were coming from Egypt, headed to the promised land, right? Moses was leading that they set up the tabernacle, the tent of meetings. It's where they met to worship, okay? And there what happened was uh, uh, what they saw at the tabernacle, that eventually when they built it physically in Jerusalem would be the temple, okay? So think in the same terms there. They saw this cloud covering the tabernacle, and the glory of God, and the glory of God 
right? Uh, that is his spirit. That is his presence. And the glory of God filling that place. So that cloud symbolizes God's spirit, the Holy Spirit. And what we see there, that it represented God's presence. That it came and it was over the tabernacle, covered it, fully clothed it. It was all around it. But it did this as that verse goes on, right? It filled it completely. It totally encompassed it. Not just around it, but it came in it. And it was absolutely consumed it, encompassed it fully. And so we look at this uh, encompassing cloud. Uh, what we see is the Holy Spirit is God's presence with us and in us. It's God's presence with us. And look what happened in the New Testament. So we see this picture of the tabernacle and the temple and this encompassing cloud of the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit today for us, as God teaches and promises us, uh, is in us and with us. Luke 24, verse 49, as Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, he says, he will come and he will clothe you. What that means is this Holy Spirit is like these clothes. It comes around me. It, 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 it's right there everywhere around me, cover me, with me. The Holy Spirit is here. He's working. He's around us. And he goes on. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. So this picture that we saw, the sign of God's presence uh, at the tabernacle in the temple. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, here's what he says. Paul says there, he says, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So that thing that we just saw, this presence with us and within us, that is us now. It's called the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He is in us, with us. His presence is actually around us and in us, guiding us, leading us there. So what do we learn from that today? Is this, and there's many, many things, but quickly, I want to encourage you that your pursuit of God has to be the pursuit of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Intimacy with the presence, with the Holy Spirit in you and around you. And track with me, not the experiences of the Holy Spirit. So much error, so much bad teaching, uh, so much fear has been generated and confusion when people chase the experience of the Holy Spirit, the works of the Holy Spirit, and not the intimate presence. Because here's a promise. Uh, wherever the presence of the Holy Spirit is, the experiences and the work of the Holy Spirit will be there. But just something that is maybe a big show and a high emotion is not a guarantee of the presence of God. And when we chase that, we say, oh, I felt it. And you'll feel the Holy Spirit sometimes, so don't get me wrong. But, but when that is the pursuit, you will be sorely misled and hurt. And your faith will be shallow. And it will take very nothing to knock you off because you don't have intimacy with the Holy Spirit. It's important. 
It's the presence of God that we pursue, okay? This encompassing cloud. The next symbol, you know, we've got God with us, a presence of God with us. Uh, we see this descending dove, probably the most common symbol of the Holy Spirit, right? This descending dove. And you know exactly most of you where I'm going to quote, right? You know, what's gospel? We'll do Matthew 3.16, right? Um, and it's Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist. And he goes in the water, is baptized, and he comes up. What happens? From heaven, a dove comes down and lands on him. And so the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, this symbol we have is, is, is this dove. And, and what it represents for all the people watching, they got it. Um, it represented life, spiritual life coming down. And we know for Jesus what happened is he started his public ministry right at that point and started going. So it was the spiritual life, the internal life of us that descended from heaven. And when they saw it, you know, they thought what we thought. They thought of Moses, or excuse me, Noah. Remember Noah in the ark? Noah's family is in there. Animal of every kind, two of them, uh, they're in there for 40 days and they're in the ark and they're waiting, they're waiting. You know, he sends out a raven and then sends out a dove. The dove comes back and what they're checking for is there's life out there. Is this going to go away? God made some promises. What's going to happen? And then the dove comes back, right, with an olive leaf in its beak. And what it said is there's land. Imagine being Moses in that moment. What do you think he felt? Man, the promise of God's life. Yes. He said this was going to happen, and it's happening. That was scary. That was deep water. That was a lot of water. But there's land. There's hope. There's renewing. His promise of life, that emotional space that Noah must have felt like, ah, it's going to be okay because of God. God's here. It's going to be okay. And I think as those watching, when that dove landed on Jesus, it's, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I even believe in some levels, Jesus said, oh, okay, it's going to be okay. I know this road I've got, it's going to be tough. But God's life's here. I'm going to be okay. Right? So the dove represented that, but it also represented, again, our spiritual life going to be okay. Because in the Old Testament, you know, they would use sacrifices uh, to deal with sin. Right? And so um, mostly when they would do the uh, sin offerings or the burnt offerings, these are two uh, offerings they do for their sins, um, they'd either use a, a ram, a bull, a goat, a lamb, and those are for different positions, higher positions, and people had some money. Most people didn't. So in Le- Leviticus 5, uh, verses 7 through 11, if you want to read some point, um, says this, that, hey, if you're basically too poor, Bring two turtle doves. You've heard that before, right? Two turtle doves, one for the sin offering and one for the bird offering. Bring, bring doves. They're common, right, for the poor. And so what this meant is you could have peace with God because when our sin are dealt with, then we have peace with God. Our spiritual lives are okay. And these doves represented your spiritual life is going to be okay too. All of you. Anyone that comes in faith, rich or poor, any place of life, you come, there's a spot for you. And this dove represents that access for everybody. 
to the cross of Jesus Christ, and it brings peace. It brings peace. That's why you're in John 14. Flip over to John 16. Look at verse 8. And verse 8 tells you what the Holy Spirit is going to do. The Holy Spirit is going to convict of sin, of righteousness, being right with God, and judgment. It's going to stir in our hearts, right, that there's not life there. There's death in here. And it's so cool. John 16, 14, look a few verses deeper. Says what the Holy Spirit, when I send him, is going to do. He is going to point to everything that Jesus is testifying and saying. He's going to point to the one who can bring life. And that's Jesus Christ and his blood on the cross and his victory over death in the tomb. That's what that dove represented. That is what the Holy Spirit brings to us, brings life. The Holy Spirit is life, God's life in us. And that's what he has for us. So we'll keep going here. And for us, you know, the important thing as we move on that is that life has to be received. God sent the Holy Spirit, and all who believe can receive the Holy Spirit. And this life that he has, this emotional, internal life, and this spiritual, eternal life for us. Now, when those things are in us, we have the presence of the Holy Spirit. we got the life, God's life in us in the Holy Spirit. Uh, the next thing is John chapter 7. Uh, and Jesus is going to speak this symbol. Uh, and it is rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. John 7, verse 36 through 39. And what happens here is, is Jesus um, is at an annual Jewish feast, a Feast of Booths. And it started with the Sabbath. And then they basically reenacted the wilderness experience. And then it ended with the Sabbath called the Great Day as you um, uh, read that scripture there. So it's the great day, the great Sabbath um, that ends this thing. And then what they did, the priest, because they were in Jerusalem at the temple, would go to the Pool of Siloam, and they would get a pitcher uh, of water from there, and they'd walk to the altar, and everybody who's around, they'd walk around it, and they'd pour that water on the altar. And what they were doing is they were remembering the life-giving water uh, that God gave the people through Moses when he hit the rock with his staff and water came because they're in the desert and they're, they're thirsty and they felt they were dying and God provided living water for them boom, in that. So they were remembering that. So Jesus stands up in John 7 and I love it, he cries out. You know, I don't know if he's yelling or he, he's making a strong point here. And he says this, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, check this out, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That's the symbol. And then I love 39 here. Uh, this is John saying, hey, let me tell you what he's talking about. Okay, that's what verse 39 is there. It says, now this he said about the Spirit. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, whom those believed in him were to receive for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. And we'll, we'll learn this week that the Holy Spirit was a promise that came uh, at Pentecost. 
But what happened here is this rivers of living water, okay? Jesus stood up and he says, you know, uh, that if you trust in me, if you believe in me, who John chapter 4, the woman at the well, remember that? Jesus says, I am the living water. You ask me and I'll give you living water. You'll never thirst again, right? Jeremiah 2.13 says, the Lord is the living streams. So this living water he makes reference to is God. He says this, if you believe, if you trust in me, then that God will flow out of you, flow out of your heart, will overflow out of your heart into people. And John says, John says Psst, that's the Holy Spirit he's talking about. It's the Holy Spirit flowing out of you. So the Holy Spirit brings us life, but it's not intended to stay there. It's intended to overflow from you. Look at the attributes of water and what Scripture says water symbolizes and what the Holy Spirit does coming out of us. First of all, water brings life. Plain and simple. Why are they looking for water on Mars? They want to know if there's water, there will be life. Where there's living water, there will be life. So this Holy Spirit coming out of you will bring life. Right? Uh, it will bring renewal. It brings fruit. I love Psalm 1, uh, verse 3, where it talks about this tree planted by waters. It will not wither. Its leaves will be amazing. Yeah. So what happens is it bears fruit. It brings life. And it says water will bring satisfaction or fulfillment. Isaiah 43, uh, 19, I believe it is. Uh, it brings satisfaction or fulfillment. And that's what happens when you allow rivers of living water to flow out of you. Don't you love it? It says rivers and not trickles. I mean, a river carries a lot of water. How much water does multiple rivers carry? It's talking about abundance. You pouring life out of you to the world around you. And I'd say this, okay, we need living water in us. The world right now desperately needs you to have living water flowing from you. The work of the Holy Spirit coming out of you from his presence and his life in you to have that flowing out of you and bringing life, bringing satisfaction, fulfillment, restoration. That's called the rivers of living water. And then uh, I package the last two kind of together because, you know, you, again, if you've been in your Bible much, you recognize these two. But it's at Pentecost when, when Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. He's going to come. And he says, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait. And this is what happens. It's called Pentecost. It's another annual uh, festival for Jewish people. So they're at Pentecost um, waiting, and the Holy Spirit comes. And in Acts chapter 1, uh, just describes that moment. And you can see these symbols of the Holy Spirit. And, and so you'll see a mighty rushy wind and the tongues of fire talked about here. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. He's talking about the disciples of Jesus. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances. 
Oh, so we look at this and we, the, the symbol, the sign of the Holy Spirit here uh, is the sound of a mighty rushing wind and tongues of fire. Both of them represent the same thing, you know, and some nuances, but bottom line, they represent the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, a sound of mighty rushing wind. Uh, if, if you look at that and what that was like, um, I love tornadoes. I'm not sure why. I, I think because I've never been in one, right? I'm one of those, I'm a Pacific Northwest guy that loves tornadoes. If I talk to a buddy in Kansas saying, what, are you crazy? Probably, okay? Probably they hate rain, right? Um, but I'm fascinated. But you know this, a tornado is invisible until either rain gets wrapped up in it or um, some debris. But the air, the wind, all that is invisible, uh, and it, you hear it, right? Because it's so powerful and it comes and it does great, this damage impact. But the Holy Spirit, in a good way, comes in and makes change. It does a powerful work, a mighty rushing wind. And it's something so powerful, man. You can see it, you can feel it before it gets there. It has power. And he says, and tongues of fire. And um, the tongues there is not talking about the language and the gift of tongues. I, I think these are guys going, what's that? It's kind of little flames. I'm, kind of look like a tongue to tongue, right? So that's all it is. It's talking about the shape, okay? Um, but the powerful thing about this, these tongues uh, separated and was on all of them because fire, like the cloud, represented the presence of God. And so the presence of God came on each one of them and rested, meaning came and dwelt them, we know from the scriptures teaching. Each one of them had it. And it's, fire was the symbol given. And we know fire is powerful. I mean, fire is, remember, they had no electricity. represented light for them. It illuminated everything internally, externally. They could see more clearly because of fire. Because of the Holy Spirit, we can see more clearly. It reveals things in our lives. It reveals things in the world around us. Fire is a refiner. The Holy Spirit is a refiner. And what refining does is it comes in and that heat, that power, gets rid of impurities, right? And so Holy Spirit comes in our lives and does a great work to get rid of the impurities, anything that gets in the way of the life of God in us and the life of God through us. So it does this mighty refining work in us on a journey of holiness, Big word, sanctification, but just being purified for God. And it's a lifelong journey that will be fulfilled in heaven with him. But that's what fire represents to them. In fire, we see in scripture, um, when it's around, it, it is a description of passion. Uh, in Luke chapter um, 19, um, and it's the road to Emmaus, if you remember. Um, and the two guys walking, Jesus is resurrected. And they start talking with this guy because something crazy happened in Jerusalem. There's a crucifixion of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, right? Big deal. And they're chatting, and, uh, and he's chatting with them. And then after he leaves, they, they said, boy, they realized it was Jesus. And they said, did you feel that? Our hearts burn using the fire symbol inside of us. So God's presence there in the Holy Spirit, it ignites in you passion. I believe this, all of you are created with gasoline inside of you. And the Holy Spirit's like a match that you th God throws on that. And if you'll receive it, boom, 
passions, your drive, your vision for the things of God, your pursuit of those things in a beautiful way just explode. So that is this fire. And what God wants us to do is understand that power and receive it and live in it. You know, I was thinking about all that power. I was, I was thinking about 1 Corinthians um, chapter 2, verse 4, which has been my life verse. Um, and it's, it's Paul talking there, but I so identify. And what he's talking about in that whole section um, is what he's talking about is this power that you have in you. Right? Uh, and not doing things um, in man's strength, in, in man's wisdom, but by a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. So why? So that God gets credit and God gets seen because he is the only one that can save. Not me. Not a crafty sermon. Not a great program. You know, not great music. None of it is only God through the person of Jesus Christ, right? Who can save, the only name, Jesus Christ. And we want lives that are living in that power so people point to him. So you know, as we go to our, our, our next step, I'm just a challenge. We're gonna talk all about uh, the Holy Spirit. So I really invite you to, again, if you're in a group, great. You guys meet this week and then come Saturday. Uh, sign up online, right? Because if, especially if you need childcare, I uh, wanna provide that for you. Um, if you're in a group and your group's not coming, come anyway. You know, we'll create groups, we'll invite you to a group. Um, be part of that. Um, but yeah, if, you know, in the whole Alpha journey, if you're not part of a group, I encourage you to sign up, be part of that. Uh, uh, and this week is important because I want what we talked about. I want you to know God in the fullness. I want to be filled with this power. We know that our world needs you to be filled with this power. And so this last thing in Ephesians chapter one, the last symbol that I want to use is just a, I, you know, my, in my notes I wrote a foundational symbol. All the symbols are God, they're all equal, but that's Scott's word. A foundational symbol, and it's this, this symbol of the Holy Spirit as a seal. Ephesians 1 says that the Holy Spirit was given to us as a seal, to seal our inheritance, to seal God's promises. Because what a seal was, is a seal is um, basically like a stamp. We know the seal is like the state seal, right? Anything that the Washington state seal is, it says, hey, this is ours. We, we created this. We made this. We're going to back this up. You know, this is our thing. Um, I think the best thing for us to think about it, uh, it would be like our signature. That's your seal. If you sign something, you said, hey, I own this. I'm going to oversee this. I've got this. I'm going to protect this. I'm going to fight for this. This is mine. And I plan to do something with this. Um, I'm going to redeem it someday. Um, so it's your signature. The Holy Spirit is God's signature of ownership of us. It's his personal signature. And so what I ask you as we talk about the Holy Spirit and all the things the Holy Spirit is, it's really for not if you don't have the Holy Spirit, if you're not sealed by the Holy Spirit. And that only comes as Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, through grace and faith. The grace of Jesus going to the cross and dying for our sins, your sins. And a faith that he gives us to respond to him and say yes to him. So if you 
said, Jesus, I want your grace. I'm sorry for the sins that I have in me. I was born with the sins that I commit. Even the sins that are, come from future, right? We're all sinners and saved by grace. We fall short of the glory of God. I repent and I receive your grace, your forgiveness by your blood on the cross. It starts there. We can talk forever how powerful and awesome God is, but they're just words unless you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior because then he promises he'll give you the Holy Spirit. And then everything we've talked about is yours and he wants you to live in that power, to say yes to him. And so if you don't know that, yes, I, I have the seal of God, the Holy Spirit, come talk to one of us. You know, there'll be people at the prayer team here. I'll be back there. Um, talk to somebody. For those that say, yeah, I'm there. I've got it. Let me ask you a hard question. Is the Holy Spirit welcome? I mean, maybe you're like my younger days in the faith, and it just seemed like a freak show. I couldn't make any sense of it. So, sorry, I'm going over here. I'm going to study my Bible. Stay there, even though the Bible talks about that, but I just won't ignore those scriptures, right? And I was freaked out, and my, you know, pastor told me to be, right? And then a day came. Well, I said, okay, there's something here. If I really believe this book, this scripture, I believe it all. It's either all true or none of it's true. And so it talks about this gift, John 14, of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promises that he'll leave us and send. And he's going to lead us all in truth. He's going to point to Jesus and the saving grace of Jesus. And he's going to work power in us so that we can be a witness to this world. Is the Holy Spirit welcome? And we're going to sing right now. I want to encourage you just to sing about that and check your heart. Is he welcome? You know, uh, if he's not, say, God, I'm yours. I'm yours. So will you stand with me? And let's just sing out to him. <laughs>